0: The Last Word with Matt Cooper. Today FM. It all happens here. Today FM. John Gibbons is back from his holidays, so we're back to our usual last word in the environment on Thursday. And although you've got a big smile in your face and you've got a bit of sun, we've got bad news to start with. The Supreme Court in the United States, of course, caused such controversy last week with its abortion decision, but it's doing other things as well, which are very much seem centred in a very right-wing economic position, as well as a social position. Tell us about today's decision in relation to the Environmental Protection Agency in the US.
1: Uh, Good evening, Matt. Yeah, this was well flagged. We knew this was coming. I think really as as soon as Trump, as his kind of going away present, uh, left us with three uh, Supreme Court judges from a single term presidency which is almost unprecedented we always knew that the, the, the Supreme Court was going to lurch to the far right and that's exactly as it's played out and very much in Trump's uh, target hairs if you like back when he was president he, he, part of his thing was to tear up Obama's legacy and Obama had pushed strongly on strengthening the Clean Air Act and giving Congress powers etc and essentially Trump had tried during his presidency to roll back a lot of that. Now he was partially successful but he was held up at the federal courts and I guess he knew he'd get the last laugh once he had stuffed the Supreme Court, which of course he's now done, that he would be able to get effectively anything through, as we saw last week with, the, with the Wade v. Rowe. I mean, in a sense, Matt, this is a Wade v. Rowe for the environment. This knocks us back maybe fifty, maybe a hundred years. Why?
0: What has the decision been?
1: Okay, well, effectively, what we're saying, what we're seeing here now, is the removal by the Supreme Court, acting effectively unilaterally, of the ability of the U.S. Environmental Protection Agency to regulate CO two as uh, greenhouse gas emissions from existing power plants. Yeah, and what's Important about that is is that they still have
0: so many coal plants. That's right. And the people who own coal and gas and oil in the United States are the biggest financial backers of the Republican Party, and this is their payoff.
1: That's right. It's called the polluter's paradox. You You have a situation where the dirtiest industries in America, and worldwide, by the way, spend the most on buying politicians. And the payback for buying politicians, they really are the best value money can buy. And, of course, now you can you know, you can buy politicians and you get Supreme Court judges free. And essentially, that's what we have here, Matt. There's no rhyme or reason to this. Every grown-up, sensible government in the world recognises the climate emergency. We have this from the Intergovernmental Panel. We have it from the United Nations. There is no dispute about this. So, for essentially six activist judges following their own agenda to, to block, effectively, Matt, they're blocking the Environmental Protection Agency from protecting the environment. So, I mean, this is the probably one of the greatest cases of judicial overreach in American history.
0: Yeah, but they say that it's actually not judicial overreach. It was EPA overreach, that it didn't have the authority to take on some of the measures that it did.
1: Sure. Well, I'll, I'll just read you what Justice Ellen Kagan, one of the dissenting judges on this, said. She said, today, the court, the Supreme Court, has stripped the EPA of the power that Congress gave it to respond to the most pressing environmental challenge of our time, and it deprives the EPA of the power to curb greenhouse gas emissions. Now, of course, it's quite clever because, as with Wade V. Roe, what the Supreme Court did was send it back to the states. What they're doing here, Matt, is sending it back to a bitterly divided Congress, knowing full well that it will die in the halls of Congress. And that's the purpose of this, of course, is to prevent state agencies from doing their job of regulating, because that's what regulators are for. That is not what Supreme Court judges are for. They're there, if you like. And the other thing about this, Matt, is, of course, the Supreme Court were not scheduled to hear this at all. There was no urgency on this. They have been cherry picking really strong, if you like, payback cases for 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 their activist sponsors.
0: Okay, but isn't it true that previous year, previous Supreme Court 2016, when it wasn't packed, stopped the Obama administration's
1: plan to drastically reduce power plants' carbon output? That is correct. Now, it wasn't packed at that stage, but that was still a 5-4 Republican Supreme Court. And that was still a Supreme Court that was basically acting, if you like, as a block on the Democrats. So we've had this problem with the supreme court being a politicized entity for a very long time and of course most famously if you like if you go back to uh, the 2000 when the supreme court famously or infamously intervened to basically stop a recount of an election that was really the start of it Matt. okay talk to me
0: about uh, the environmental impact of cigarette butts
1: yeah this is uh, this is a big one the first of all and, and as the man says it's not something that is most is mod, is in, initially obvious but the most littered man-made Object on planet Earth are actually cigarette butts. Now, that's probably not surprising because we, we discard about 60, sorry, about 15 billion uh, cigarette butts a day. Right. That's about four and a half trillion cigarettes uh, are, are discarded on an annual basis. Now, the, the problem here isn't really the tobacco as such. That's a natural product. The problem is in the filter. Now, the filters are made from a substance called cellulose acetate. This is a a type of plastic. It's a plant-based plastic. uh, And it contains about a typical filter, mat contains about 12,000 microfibres. And essentially, these are highly polluting. Now, globally, we're looking at about 850,000 tonnes of essentially toxic litter. And to give you an idea... Every year. Every year. To give you an idea how toxic it is, it has been established in in research tests that one cigarette butt per litre of seawater is legal. To small fish, one cigarette butt in a in a liter of water. In fact, at a dose of one eighth of that, it kills plankton. So essentially, the discarded cigarette butts are, of course, because you've. You've, you've drawn the, the chemicals through them have a cocktail of about up to 7,000 chemicals that are burned through tobacco. And they're tangled up in this microfibers and then billions of these are dumped. And it is an interesting thing, Matt. And I say this, by the way, with all the zeal of a reform smoker. I, I hasten to add, it is a strange thing that socially, probably the only form of littering that people seem to accept is people dumping cigarette butts on the ground. If you dump, you know, if you drop your, your, your dog dirt, people get very upset. If you throw a, a, you know, a sweet packet on the ground, people get very upset. But we watch people every single day dumping cigarette butts on the ground. And nobody, there is no social taboo about it at all. And of course, these end up being washed into our drains and watercourses and find their way into rivers and the sea. So it is, it's one of those curious things that it, as I say, it's a small problem with a very large dimension and on my travels in France uh, over the last couple of weeks i came across this thing which you may have seen and i did tweet it out a little bit earlier essentially it's a it's an open kind of framed uh, cigarette butt disposal unit and basically it asks you to vote for one of two options so if you if you vote this way you put it into the left hand and this way into the right hand now some one of our Twitter correspondent suggested that if we did something similar to that in Ireland, and we had a vote on the, on the left for was Mick McCarthy right in, in Saipan in 2002, and vote for the right was Roy Keane right in Saipan in 2002, that we could practically eliminate the problem.
0: Okay, here's the listener says, I hope John Gibbons didn't take any nasty, dirty flights on his holidays after lecturing the rest of us every week
1: well, I'd be very relieved to tell that, uh, and I appreciate the, the concern for, for, for me. But yeah, I'll be happy to say that I took uh, a dirty, dirty nasty uh, ferry crossing to Spain and another dirty, nasty ferry crossing back from France and in between times drove around in a dirty, nasty electric vehicle.
0: Okay, good, because there's a few people who wanted to know the uh, answer it's to it's that. It's
1: important that we, we're here to answer all these questions, Matt.
0: Were you taking any selfies when you were away?
1: <laughs> no selfies, no no selfies. There's thankfully. a reason I
0: asked that mm. question, because who's suggesting that people who take selfies are somehow less connected to the natural world?
1: Yeah, this has come out of a, of a very interesting new study uh, into a thing called nature connectedness. Now, I know this sounds a little bit uh, hippy-dippy, but it's basically looking across 14 different population groups at how connected or otherwise people are to nature. And one of the interesting things they found is that people who who take, as you said, who take a lot of selfies, they experience less connection with the natural world. Now, that's probably not a surprise because they probably also uh, experience less connection with their family and friends because, and this is syndrome we're all familiar with, and I plead guilty to it from time to time uh, as people who know me well we'll, will attest, we can all get lost in our phones. And part of getting lost in your phone means losing connection with the outside world. And specifically, Matt, here we're talking about losing connection with the natural world. Now, this study, it examined 14 countries. And what I found really interesting about it is that uh, Ireland came up, uh, in fact, I have the chart here in front of me, yeah, what they asked on nature connectedness, Ireland came in second last to, to the UK. UK was the most nature-disconnected country, Ireland second last. But when it came to biodiversity, Ireland stood out by itself as the, 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 we have the least connection to biodiversity of all 14 countries uh, in this study.
0: And would that maybe explain why the plans for a dedicated wildlife crime unit have been scrapped?
1: Well, I, on this matter, I... I I know the story that we're talking about here uh, was was covered in one of the papers during the week and I I had a conversation with uh, some people from the departments just to to really look into this earlier earlier today and they're adamant that it's really not the case and and minister Noonan has has issued a statement really uh, refuting the, the the central allegation by by um Jennifer Whitmore so they're basically saying look that's not the case at all and definitely there are problems there's no question first of all we've known for years that the national parks and wildlife service has been Grievously underfunded. Now that's been reversed. Minister Noonan has brought its funding levels back to about 2011 uh, levels, having fallen off very heavily. But for example, if you, let's say you're aware of your neighbour who's engaged in, say, poisoning uh, wildlife and you want to ring up the Parks and Wildlife Service to, 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 to rat them out. There is no number. There is no hotline for this. Now, I'm told that this is coming. But at the moment, there are big deficiencies, big problems with it. So I I think it's important to say that there's been an increase, Matt, uh, of uh, rangers, nature rangers. have gone up from about 60 to about 84. And I'm told that's going to go to 120. So we're not where we are, but we're on the right direction.
0: John Gibbons, great to have you back. We'll talk to you again next week.